I'm just going to press record. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Monashon Uncut. And we are laughing because, Byron, it, it's just wonderful living in Africa. Like, there's no other word to describe it other than wonderful. And, of course, we're talking about the mayor of Pretoria and that whole debacle, which is just a screamer of a story. Yeah, so I went I went on Chris Wyatt's show last night and we were actually talking about politics in Africa. One of the things I said to him is having worked in politics for four years in the United Kingdom, coming back to Africa, one of the things that I noticed quite a bit is that politics in South Africa is just really dumb. And I think this story exemplifies the exact speech that Chris and I, Chris and I discussed last night. So that is like, politics, man, I don't know what's wrong with these people. So this is a story, obviously, of the Gauteng mayor who apparently got disqualified from being mayor because he had been made insolvent and it was against the constitution and obviously the, the appropriate orders. Now, this just to just clarify, this is a COPE mayor that got 0.2% of the vote, so that was a point of contention in itself, democracy, eh? And um, the really weird thing is that he was like, if you may recall the story, the, the first part of it was that he refused to give up his mayorship so he stayed in office, and when they kept saying, oh, you're no longer the mayor, he was like, no, I am. I'm still the mayor. They were like, no, you're not. So we had a pantomime moment there, and then he's provided proof of him being basically rehabilitated from his um, his solvency order. Now, the problem with his rehabilitation order, if you will, if that's even the right term about it, is apparently it comes from the Court of the North. So... You know, that was the first thing that uh, alerted people to the fact that possibly this wasn't quite true. The dates never matched. His own name was spelled wrong in it. Um, and all the money that was used. On it, and we had borders really weighed four paid, but the borders were like less than the page itself. So the whole thing just didn't sort of make sense. And I don't like, I don't know much about debt review and debt rehabilitation, but I did debt review as a candidate attorney when the diamonds halls roamed the earth, right? And he was sequestrated in 2016, and he said he got rehabilitated in 2018. I don't think that's possible to be rehabilitated within two years, unless you really like sell everything and settle everything. But that just seems very, uh, very sort of close together in terms of timing. Well, that's what a lot of people have noticed. I mean, a lot of people have obviously noticed that apparently he just got rehabilitated overnight, and. Um, there's no real explanation as to as to why it occurred. But with that all being said, you're you're thinking like a colonizer here, Ramon. You you're trying to rationalize something and you're you're coming out with like all these rational arguments. I mean, this is Africa. We do things in a dumb way. So we use courts that don't exist, judges that were never appointed, and we don't even get the fonts right, let alone the spelling of the applicants. I mean Let's, let's forget about the technicalities here for a moment. Like, you would have thought they would have at least got the font right. I mean, come on. And this is a guy trying to use this document to, to prove that he was rehabilitated so that he could take on the mayor position of Swanee, one of the most important municipalities in the country. Like, the mud boggles as to why you couldn't even get the font right. I mean, quarter of the north. I mean, what does he think? This is Game of Thrones. I was about to say, yeah, it's a Game of Thrones reference, Byron. It's a Game of Thrones reference. Uh, but what, what really is interesting, okay, so obviously he's going to go to get charged criminally and the, the coalition's going to take him to court and all that, but that doesn't really matter. What really matters for this particular story is we must understand that this was a coup orchestrated by the ANC and the EFF in Gauteng, right? They try and take over the municipalities. 
And if you've been paying attention to our YouTube videos, you would know what the modus operandi is. Pick a tiny, small party, make them the mayor, and then fill out all the MMC or MMC positions, whatever they're called, with ANC EFF guys, and then you control the graft uh, through that. So this, they did in Joburg, they're trying to do it in Atkurleni, and they did it in Pretoria, except the plan failed because this guy that they picked as the mayor is a freaking moron of the highest order. So a lot of people are saying that, well, if the ANC EFF go into a national coalition, South Africa's finished. You do realize that this is one of the consequences of that potential coalition. These people aren't smart at all. I, I don't know what to say, Ramon, because the reality is the reason that the EFF and the ANC are appointing small minor parties to be the mayor in these municipalities is because the two can't actually agree on who's going to hit it. As you know, the reality of the situation is that they both want to be the kingmakers and they both want to be the kings of the municipalities so that they can control the relevant portfolios and the budget. So, you know, siphon off the ruler as they see fit. I mean, you, you know the story, as does everybody problem is neither of them can actually agree on it so their amicable solution is what we'll do is we'll provide the mayorship to a small party that we can control and that does give them a degree of cover so every time the municipality falls over and everything goes to shit they won't blame the mmcs who are actually in charge of the portfolios i blame the mayor so what they could do is they could say this one right i mean the mmcs can run the place into the ground they'll say oh it's it's uh, it's cope's fault right because he was the mayor so it's it's a it's a sound strategy. It's it's one that allows them to siphon off the coffers whilst not actually taking accountability. The problem comes in in that by electing these small parties, they are effectively electing retards. And it's like you saw the guy in in your side of the world where he was like, as you described him, not me. This is your words. You described him as the ISIS mayor. So uh, for that one Muslim that watches our shows, very sorry, wasn't my words. You know, Ramon, blame yeah. Ramon. He did say he would take. You know, he did. He did he, say that he, he would take me to the Human Rights Commission. I mean, you know, I'm half Arabic. We don't go to the Human Rights Commission. We Arabs just chop off hands. So if you came to me with that, I would take it seriously. But psst, you are a Muslim, and you're taking me to the Human Rights Commission. Come now, pathetic. This is almost haram to me. But anyway, sorry, Brian. Good. So, I mean, it's funny because that guy came out and obviously in his first speech, he sh it showed just how retarded he was. I mean, he didn't have a freaking clue what was going on. He's like, he's going to get RT. He's going to get computers out there to find all the potholes. Like, okay, sure. That's the big, big work of Gauteng, huh? So, you know, it's 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 a it's a proper retard retardation process. With that being said, I think the recent by-elections by are something that we should mention have shown us that the EFF is likely to get, like, I don't know, four votes in the next election if the if the existing votes everywhere else to go is to go by. I think we've had quite a few by-elections this year, and in total the EFF has mustered up, like, a, a whole 100 votes across the entire nation combined. Well, especially, so, especially the Western Cape, KZN, and the Karoo, like, they get, like, zero votes. As we keep saying, the EFF is only getting votes in the north. Pumalanga and Limpopo. Okay, other than the Kruger Park and maybe Sun City. Like, there's no reason to go to those places, right? Like, if there was a, a nuclear reactor explosion and it took out Limpopo, no one would notice. So, they're getting votes in places that no one, you know, really matters. What is interesting about KZN, though, Byron, and we saw in the by-elections this week, 
INP are just surging ahead, my friend. The anti-socialist, pro-Zulu, pro-monarchy party are just like killing the ANC and killing the EFF in these by-elections with the help of the DA because they've got a, an arrangement where the, the DA won't stand in particular wards so the IP can win it. And so far it's doing well. In one war they, they went up 70%, ANC went down 40%. KZN is going to be a very interesting province to look at come next year. I'm in agreement. I'm in, I'm in big agreement. Uh, I think that uh, IFP in that province sh- probably should have been the dominant party many years ago. They were once upon a time. I mean, when I was a child, I grew up in there. IFP was a big party. And for those of you who need to cast your memory back, the IFP and the ANC constantly were at war with each other. Where When I say war, I mean they were actually shooting each other in the streets. Ah, uh, the good old days, eh? And, um, you know, the problem was that that kind of all came to a head with Jacob Zuma, because as we all know the story, Jacob Zuma set up all of his fictitious parties all over KZN in order to, to win the vote. Now, that obviously saw the electoral support for the IFP dwindle, and ever since then, the IFP has been a kind of a smaller party in their province. But we predicted this some time ago, that with the departure of Jacob Zuma, we would see the resurgence of the IFP. And coincidentally, that's exactly what we see, right? So it's, for me, that's, that's a positive step because if you talk geographical numbers, a purely numbers game, it's just got a shitload of people, man. And if they all stop voting for a party that's not ANC, well, from a point of proportionality gives you a good idea as to what happens with ANC support and that is going down the shitter yeah yeah so I mean as always in South Africa very interesting week politically at least KZN is going to sort of determine the national election in some extent EFF are like growing anywhere the mayor of uh, Pretoria gave a fake court order and spelled everything wrong I mean, I don't know, we keep saying this why, why would you want to live anywhere else like I see in England, in your place uh, Wales, Scotland, and England, uh, you'll have to basically license your chickens if you have them in the backyard. I'm just seeing this right now, so you don't know the story. Uh, so changes in England... No, 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 I've read it this morning. It came out of the garden. It will also apply to pigeons. So you have to license... Do you have a license for your pigeons in <laughs> in England? Okay, but what you... let, let, we, let's, let's be very clear as to what's going on here because this is something that I think people tend to forget because, again, they haven't worked in government. They don't know the processes. When I want to pass a law that's completely ridiculous and stupid, I can't just pass a law that's completely ridiculous and stupid. I need to make it seem like there's a greater thing involved here, right? So the idea that chickens are currently under attack is actually a right-wing conspiracy theory. And as right-wing conspiracy theorists, we probably agree with it, I think, right? And that is, if you look around the world, there's a number of chicken places that have spontaneously combusted by unknown reasons. And... There's a massive global egg shortage and chicken shortage. In fact, in South Africa, we saw a large number of chickens die and KFC had to stop selling chicken, which caused mass protests because we all know, you know, chicken's the currency of South Africa. Um, And the reality of the situation is a lot of people have questioned why this may be. And one of the the reasons given for why it may be is, unfortunately, there is a conspiracy theory that possibly it interferes with the COVID-19 virus. It could be a natural, uh, should we say, suppressant of the virus. So there is another theory that apparently the side effects of the vaccine are negated by eggs. Is it true? Don't know. Haven't seen the scientific evidence, but it's a theory. With that being said, what we are seeing is even in England, man, like eggs are freaking expensive and they're very hard to come by. 
So when the government goes and does something like goes, ah, oh, we get to uh, license eggs so or, or chickens so we know where they are, it does raise an eyebrow. But you see, the government can't just do that because if they do, it's kind of like, oh, okay, look, it's obvious, right? So they have to go, oh, wait, no, it's also um, pigeons. Who the fuck keeps a pigeon in their house, man? i got to ask you. Like, pigeons are known as the rats of the sky. So who has a pigeon at home? Yeah. Genuine question. I mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I don't even have hardy dogs, even though I would love to shoot them in the face because they're very annoying. But speaking of COVID, interestingly, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who I trust a lot. He's, um, he's in the medical field, and he was never part of the sort of, you know, COVID lockdown kind of medical expertise. And he came to me yesterday and he says, you know what, Ramon, there's a growing sense that COVID never actually existed. I'm like, what do you mean by that? It's like, no, like there was mainly like a virus that mutated somewhere, uh, but it's not a something new. It was existing before 2020 or before, you know, December 2019. And it was just something that was naturally occurring. So everything we heard about COVID, whether it was like, you know, ivermectin's good for it or it's a lab leak or anything like that, apparently that's basically all nonsense for the most part. He says this is just what the sort of prevailing theory is about COVID-19. So no one was right on it because it didn't sort of exist in the first place. So everyone was wrong, including the ones who were like anti-lockdowns or pro-lockdowns or whoever you want to talk about in that regard, like Robert Malone or Peter McCullough or anyone who said, like, you know, these are the early interventions we can use for COVID. Like, everyone was wrong about it because there's a possibility that COVID never existed. And now that the lab leak theory is like front page news, they're trying to make it exist even more by showcasing that, yes, it definitely came from a lab just to sort of try to prove beyond reasonable doubt that it did exist in the first place. But there's growing skepticism that COVID sort of never existed. It was a virus of sorts, that's fine, but wasn't a novel one. What are your thoughts on that? Imagine the whole thing. Pandemic. That, that's the question, right? Yeah. Uh, well, was it a pandemic that 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 was flu? And let's be honest, we actually have an ongoing pandemic that we have had for basically nearly 100 years. Got influenza. Right? Everybody gets it every year, and large amounts of people die from it every year. In fact, every year, coincidentally, the NHS in Britain bitches and goes, oh, the NHS is going to collapse because of the influenza virus. So the question that you really have to ask yourself is, what was the difference now between the influenza virus and COVID-19? Was the mortality rate drastically different? I don't know, mate. I'm not a scientist. Apparently it was. So, even on official stats, I mean, go and look at death rate of 2020 compared to 2017. 2017 was worse for influenza. Which I agree with. I agree with entirely. But do you remember when, if you turned around, and you said, oh, "I came from a lab." Like you were, you lost your YouTube channel. You got bans. Like people were calling for your execution in the streets. Do you remember the headlines? that said, "If you're not vaccinated, you should be permanently barred and locked in your home forever." Remember that? that of course, of course. But what is interesting to me, I mean, Byron, we need to accept that perhaps it never existed. It's like a global Murchison syndrome, right? Where everyone just partook in this fake pandemic, and everyone like panicked about it, and everyone wore a mask, and there were these magical vaccines that arrived out of nowhere. Not saying it was planned or anything like that, but imagine like it never existed. 
and we look back in 50 years' time, and we'll be like, what on earth happened to the world for those two years? Everyone just went mental. Maybe that is what our descendants will, you know, say. It's like your time was defined by this paranoia about something that never happened in the first place. That would be super weird. I honestly think that's going to happen, if I'm honest. I mean, look at look at the, the news that's now recently coming out around Matt Hancock saying, and all his WhatsApps have been leaked. Yeah. And it's really funny, because I've actually spoken to some British people about it. So he's that, the former House Secretary, sorry, just to let people know, of Britain. He's he's Mr. Lockdown himself. He's the guy who locked us down, right? Okay, I was in South Africa when it happens. Thank God for that. Not this cold shit hole. But anyway, he was the guy who came up with the rules, right? And he was the guy who locked everybody down. And the grand irony about the entire thing was that in his leaked WhatsApps, it's now showing that he knew the entire thing wasn't actually that serious. And he was talking about releasing new variants. Do you remember when the variants came out? And they're like, ooh, scary, because new variants. He actually has WhatsApps where he's like, let's release it in order to, to make people more scared of the virus. Like, he actually, there's WhatsApps of him laughing about people wearing masks because he thinks it's stupid, right? And it's funny because these are his actual comments. This is the guy who tabled the rules. I've sp- I've spoken to people in the UK about this, man. I'm like, have you seen these things? What do you think about it? They're all like, oh, we think Matt Co- Hancock's a liar. Like, that never happened. See, like, you're proactively ignoring the evidence that this was all contrived and made up. And you're going to say, no, 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 it must have been genuine. And I don't trust the horse's mouth because possibly he's a liar. You realize how stupid that sounds. Well, welcome to Britain. Yeah, I mean, I feel like an 80% approval rating for what the government did in Britain. Like, And the 20% say, oh, they didn't go hard enough. 40%, 40% are saying they didn't go hard enough. It's crazy, mate. Like, we know everything about it. Like, the mortality rates on on vaccines is higher than they, they were saying. Like, people are dying left, right, and center. There could be long-term comorbidities. They've now even banned people having booster shots over a certain age because of the negative self-health side effects. And yet, even all the evidence that shows masks don't work because they've done for go for it. Man, I still go to shops here and there's still people wearing masks. I still, I, I just can't believe it. I'm like, do you not see what the news is? Do you not see what's coming out about this? And you're still wearing the mask. Are you, are you retarded? Like, what's going on? Well, the answer is yes. I mean, I see quite a few masks here in Joburg as well, but it's mainly black men. Funny enough, I don't know why. Every time I notice a mask, it's a black guy wearing it, which is a bit odd. Don't have to have a gutted hand running towards the shop, do they? No, no, like an N95 mask. Like a prof- That's racist. <laughs> no, because they're scared of the, the virus, because they don't have a HEPA filter which eats it, you know what I mean? Because the airplane is not like a taxi, uh, in the words of Mr. Fix for Still you, but you know what's funny about this? Do you, do you know who you notice the most that's still wearing masks? Young people. Really? Young people, man. I haven't noticed. Maybe Young people, people are the words, man. Like, no, even even in South Africa, even like where I live in, in Quebec, like even there we see the, you know, like young little Karen standing at the street corners, like handing out like flies and stuff, but always wearing a mask. Like 16, 17, 18. Oh, man, they brainwashed to the 50 millionth degree like you look at some of those kids and you think you're gonna be wearing them what's the rest of your life love i mean you just 
maybe it's because they just don't want the stench of Kibecha on them. It's not like about health reasons. It's just about the stench of actually living in that shithole. Says, says the man who's in the shithole called Gauteng. In Johannesburg, the greatest city in South Africa. Uh, or it was. We're still waiting for the technology to pick up potholes. It's coming. Oh, oh, glass, glass, glass houses and stones, mate. That's all I'm going to say. You know what I mean? Well, at least Almeida is focused on the fourth industrial revolution. Unlike anyone else uh, in this great nation. Fourth industrial revolution. Is that before or after he uh, he implements uh, Sharia law? Just checking. Uh, a Sharia law will make a dramatic uh, effect on Joburg. I mean, imagine, like, it's easy to, to pick out who the criminals are. Because when you go shake their hands, there's nothing there but a stump. Then you know, can't hire that person. Why have a criminal record when you could just, like, chop people's hands off? I'm not against the notion. Talking to book you know, of chopping people's hands off in Sharia law, did you check? Did you watch that clip I sent you yesterday about the, that guy who's talking about Sharia law? Like they've got ideas. Yes, I actually did. Let me see if I can play it. One, one second. What a clip! Hold on one sec. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, along with technical difficulties. Oh no. Yeah. This is why Ramon isn't in the MNC of uh, of technology. Talking of the MNC of technology, did you see the freaking minister who got appointed as the te- the technology minister? And he, could, he then went on TV to talk about technology and he couldn't unmute himself on Zoom. He's like, oh, I don't know how to use Zoom. Like, yeah, South Africa in a nutshell, man. Technology minister can't use Zoom. <laughs> they made such a fuss about this damn reshuffle then they're like oh it was such a bad reshuffle like, what were you expecting guys but the one thing <clears throat> about South Africa which is really nice is like the use of Twitter is is the best way to see like mainstream journalists just get blackballed <clears throat> about Cyril and ANC like in real time like from three years ago how majestic he was for knocking us down and now it's like the most indecisive prick the world's ever known I love seeing that I'm like yeah welcome to the dark side you call me racist for saying this very thing three years ago so i really think like if you call the racist you probably write five years before everyone else and it's happened a few times i think so yeah I mean, it's funny that you know for us who were already a little bit uh on the let's call it the wise side we when cyril came in we did point out all the glaring flaws like you know this was the guy who actually chaired escom for well how many years as deputy president? He was responsible for supposedly fixing the energy crisis. He was a guy that had zero track record of actually doing anything positive in the country. His first court of order was actually turning around and saying, let's put expropriation without compensation onto the, the legislative table. He was a guy who said, I know that we can't afford the NHR, but let's do it anyway. And this is a guy who came up with all kind of forms of radical rubbish. Now, a lot of people were then trying to rationalize and saying, well, what Cyril's actually trying to do is he's trying to put these things on the table so that they can get defeated. And then he can say, well, sorry, God, there's no mandates for it. Therefore, let's just, let's never talk about it again. But that's not what we've seen, though, have we? No. We've seen that even when it's defeated, he's like, I'm doing it anyway. No, remember all those arguments. Like, no, EWC is not actually like Zimbabwe, guys. EWC is actually about this. All the fact checkers came out. So you had like the international. Security Studies, whatever they're called, the ISS, the Soros-funded guys. Yaki Salias is the CEO. He went on radio and he's like, no, 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 this is actually a war between the ANC and traditional leaders. So what Soros wants to do is to take out the traditional leaders and give property rights 
to the people who live on traditional land. That was that was his argument. I'm like, mate, are you are you fucking insane? If that was the case, just make a law for that. Just create a law that gives title deeds to people on traditional land. You don't have to like reconstitute the entire constitution to do that. So he, that was one argument. The other argument, like, oh no, you know, Ruth Plas from that horrible commie Karen from Stellenbosch, wherever. She's like, no, no, no. What what this is 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 really like just giving land back based on legitimate claims of dispossession. <clears throat> okay, why do you need to change the constitution for that? Why do you need to change the constitution for that then? They really did that. It's called the Land Restitution Act. It was in existence since '94. So why do you need to change the constitution? Remember how many people just like went bent over to justify this communism and they were all of them all the journalists all the NGOs everyone it's amazing it didn't pass and it's, a, and it's amazing that we still sit here looking at it this length of time onwards and we still go there are still people trying to legitimately defend the idea of expropriation without compensation I mean Cyril yesterday in parliament said we're not going to do it we nilly I mean like Zimbabwe mate and you're going to do it for legitimate reasons yeah like when you have a nice house and they think, ah, oh, that would be a nice house for me to live in. And then they expropriate it, like yep. in the interest of the Republic. Like we've seen all this shit. I mean, what about the the farms? Do you remember a couple of years ago, the DA actually took the, the ANC government to court because there was a guy who got given a farm in the Western Cape and he actually made the farm a success. And then all of a sudden, because he was on one of these lease terms, you know, which is all part of their, their land distribution stuff, they don't actually get a tunnel deed, they get a lease. They tried to terminate his lease and then give it to an ANC cater. Do you remember that one? I do remember that one. An actual ANC cater. Like, and they were like, oh, why are you doing it? And he's like, oh, it's a nice farm. Like, yeah, that's because that guy worked really hard and actually made it decent. This is what you have to look forward to. You can't turn around and go, oh, we will do it, we nilly. I mean, this is one of the most corrupt governments in the world and what we're going to give them the power to do whatever the freak they want and, and expect them not to be corrupt. Is this like the 500 billion they would never steal? Are we, re- are we retarded? Like, yes. Come on. Yes, we are. Like, yes, we are. We are a retarded nation. Like, like, you never watched Wild Wild Country on Netflix. Everyone should. It's, it's about like this sort of pseudo guru cult who bought land in Oregon. And um, he's called Osho, the leader. And he basically taught everyone. He invited all the white hippies and taught them how to shoot, taught them how to build stuff. Like, pretty cool. And Osho had this thing, it's like, you know, democracy is for the people, by the people, on behalf of the people. But what if the people are retarded? It's like, well, you're describing South Africa there. Another thing that's interesting, yesterday the president had a sort of Q&A session in parliament. And then the year comes up to him and says, listen, everyone's being raped and murdered and crimes out of control. What do you think about Bekitele? And he says, and I quote, I'm certain that I have full confidence in him. Byron. If someone comes to you and says your wife's been, you know, how do you feel about your wife? He's like, I'm certain that I like her. That doesn't seem certain at all. The problem with Becky Zeller is, that he, as you know, he's the only Zulu in the government. So he kind of needs Becky Zeller. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, you said it once, so I'm going to repeat it. I'm pretty sure that he probably has like several sex tape or something other that's what i said too on twitter well there's jesus now there's sikalala who's now minister of something i can't remember you know the one that took the water tanker to his house during the july riots or floods or whatever it was the one who lost kzn to the rotk faction 
That's the ANZ way. If you lose something, you get promoted. Then they wonder why they can't do anything. I don't know, man. The entire, the entire thing's a bit bizarre. So it's, just a, it's just a bit bizarre. I mean, everybody knows that the result or what Becky Sele is getting up to isn't very positive. The entire thing doesn't look very good. Um, this is a minister that doesn't really know what the actual law is. I mean, we've seen this and we've talked about this time and time again. He kind of goes goes around making the laws up as, as he pleases, really. And whenever he's actually needed for proper things, like all these uh, union rights at the moment, where the police, man, like these people are, there's people dying in hospitals, there's facilities being burnt down. Where's the police? Remembering that Becky said is the one responsible for deploying them. So where are they? Well, the answer is nowhere, because as we all know, the union is part of the alliance partners, so they don't really kind of want to do anything negative against it. But is that actually within the constitutional remit to keeping the Republic safe? Well, the answer is no. So is he an effective minister to keep the Republic safe? Well, the crime statistics say no. However, is he an effective minister to give Cyril a bit of a support base? Well, yes. So we all know how this all kind of goes down, right? I mean, you can say, are you confident Becky Sela as the police minister? The answer, when he says, I'm certain, what he actually means is as a police minister, no. But as an AC cater, absolutely. And as we all know, it's party before country every time. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of that strike, did you, watch, did you see the video about that white doctor? And I think race is important in this. For those saying I'm a racist, go fuck yourself. A white doctor was at some hospital somewhere, and she's surrounded by these strikers, so, like surrounded, like 20 of them. And she's just doing her work at a table. And what they do is like they push, they try to take her away from the table and she holds on to it so they lift her up completely rough her up a bit and sort of force her to leave the room because they don't want anyone working while they are striking and these people who are striking by the way and I would know this my wife's a doctor in the public sector these are like the porters these are the people that open files these are like the scum admin of the hospitals and I just want to say, when I saw that video, the thoughts that came to my mind about what could be done to solve this, they were all very brutal and very bloody and very violent. And I think it's deeply important that people are aware. Well, I don't know what the point of this segue is for the most part, but when you see someone being roughed up, a woman, no doubt, a woman being roughed up by dirty protesting strikers who are all men, being hauled up and groped and and everything. I mean, mate, I'm not going to share the video, but it it will ruin your day. And that's that. This is just normal behavior. Always indicative of where we are as a country. I'm afraid. But if I was there, I'd probably be in jail by now. To be honest, mass murderer. <laughs> but we see we see this everywhere, right? I mean, you even saw it with the 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 Vitz protests. I mean, you know, they're protesting against the cost of accommodation. I'm not being funny. If you can't afford it, don't go to fucking university. In fact, your life will be probably better off than not going to the indoctrination camp that is the university. I would also love to know what all these students are, are studying. What? Gender studies or something. You know, something really useful, right? But what do they do? They all go around and burn the shit out of everything. You know, burn down this, burn down that, destroy this, destroy that, overturn tables, go destroy things. They're telling businesses in the local municipalities, oh, you know, you better not open because we're striking for accommodation for our student, our student universities. These are the same fuckers that will be 
striking and burning shit down next week when they can't get a job, right? They just got a, a university degree and then they can't get a job because all the business is closed by them. Like, why are you not just going there and fucking bitch slapping them? Just smoke grenades or flashbangs or something. Have we run out of those? I mean, are we not getting enough from Russia or something? Like, you have to ask, where are the police and all this? Oh, yeah, he's uh, he's in Parliament supporting his, uh, his chum there, old, uh, old Sir Ramaphosa, you know, like, it's not about the police. It's about a citizen just dishing out puss clapper because this is what is needed, right? I'm not talking about mass murdering strikers. Just give them a puss clap and say, if you do it again, I'll give you two more. Like it's not hard to sort of be a strong person in that re- in that regard, right? If, if these if it's it's a, except the business, if I was a business you, in Bromford, you, right? I would say, I'm open for business. You're welcome to strike outside. You come in here, I'm going to stick you once or twice or three times. Anyone, black, white, woman, I don't really care. And you Okay, where do you think it's going to lie on that? Because they're going to say, we have the right to peaceful protest. Peaceful protest outside, not in my private property, which is my shop. We need to be like, you, as you know, from private property, huh? like, you know, the trespass acts is like, it's a little bit like not as straightforward, you see. So how come the colors are doing it in coronation? So coronation's a hospital. I'm not sure where it is. Uh, it's, I think it's in Houting somewhere. So the colors of the community went to coronation, blockaded it. So if you come here, we're going to give you a push club. And guess what? All the strikers left. Because the colored community came up, called them your master puss 500 times, and says, if you come here, if I see your face, I'm going to push club you in the head. And they didn't come. So it's happening. But the colors are leading the way, which is good. Yeah, they do that every time because they have no fear of prison. You see, and this is, this is the point. I mean, but this is what we see in the Anglosphere, don't we? Why is it that the Anglos never never rebel? Because they have a mass fear of prison. They don't want to go to prison. The colors don't give a shit about prison. Most of their family are probably in prison for some gang-related something. That's like it. So they've all seen the inside of a cell. Well, it's a fact. Like, I'm... You know, well, they all have a good idea of what the inside of the cell looks like. How come maybe just the colors are more base, Byron, rather than not fearing prison? Because they don't because they don't have fear of the consequences. That's why they're more based. You you gotta remember most most whites were, were raised to fear the inside of a cell. So they will do everything possible to follow the rules, even when the rules are stupid. We're seeing it right across the Anglo world. It's a fact. Never seen a colored Karen in my life. I wonder why. I wonder why. You know, and it's like, but then you have the complete contrast that a lot of the blacks don't even consider the alternative because there are many instances the alternatives don't actually exist. The consequences of it just don't exist. I mean, we're seeing that in the US, right? I mean, in the US, you can go do murder crime now. Nothing will happen about it. And if you do it on mats, well, who cares? Like, if you go to a hospital and burn off the place down, like, oh, no one's going to prison over it. So, there is a mass there is a mass cultural difference. Now, the the interesting part about the entire thing, and where you actually see it stop getting to a, a, a segue, is you see it like in Kailisha, right? In Kailisha, we saw all of the video clips of the riots going on there, or the protests. But what were they doing outside the hospital? They were singing "Kill the Boer, Kill the Farmer." Not being funny, mate. What the fuck has the farmer and the board got to do with your wage negotiations? Like, are they paying your wage? Are they 
controlling the Kalisha hospital or something? Like, what the fuck has it got to do with boars and kill the farmer? Like, are you mentally retarded? And again, the answer is yes. Yes, it is. So, so based on based on all of that, I, I think you know we we keep looking for a sort of South African bukele, South African porkagame, and I don't think we'll get a white one. I don't think we'll get a black one. So the only solution is to get a coloured president, like Gaten McKenzie. We made a video on that that was released uh, on Friday last week. And the more I think about it, like I don't think Gaten is someone. Like we don't know him well, but he speaks, you know, his ideas about South Africa and what he wants to do. Like we sort of agree with most of it. But if South Africa is a gangster state, just hear me out. If South Africa is a gangster state, we just need like an alpha gangster to take control of it, knowing that it will still be corrupt, knowing that all these things will happen. But if we get a sort of non-racial, non-commie gangster, I think it's a great sort of alternative to the bullshit. Yeah, I think you could obviously then claim that the individual represents both sides of the spectrum, right? Because they're sitting in the middle. They're a true centralist in the racial spectrum, that is. But, uh, you know, I think Gaten has some some valuable things to to say. But he does obviously say to us very clearly, he's probably not the guy that you want as president because he would be very extreme and arguable. Maybe that's what we need, man. Maybe we actually need like some really extreme guy to come in here and just blick some of the shit out. What do you think? I fully agree with you. I'm tired of this reasonableness, right? How do you deal with how do you how are you reasonable in the face of people? <clears throat> like strikers, you know, assaulting children in ambulances, or strikers groping female doctors, or students burning down private businesses because they can't whatever get a grant to fund their studies. That's all just evil. You don't really take these people around the table and talk to them. You clap them hard. And if the colors are doing it out of their own free will, maybe we should just give them the power to do it at a national level. Like, just have a colored government for like 10 years. I think this place will become a lot better. It's, it's, funny, it's funny, though, because, you know, it's like you're looking at even things like the EFF now. So the EFF recently has been in the news a couple of times, and you look at them as like the radical far left, right? So there was recently an event where Herman Mashaba went to Johannesburg in order to evict some, uh, you know, Nigerians from an illegal occupation of a, of a building. Okay, it's like all political point scoring. But, you know, the EFF was there supporting the illegal immigrants who hijacked the building. Okay, and then we got things like the the EFF then saying they're going to shut down the entire country. This is a country that got shut down or their economy shut down by the ANC due to some bullshit lockdown, which we already talked about. And they're going, we're going to shut down all of the country on a on a basically a day before a public holiday. And if you if you're not at if you're not at home, well, you're going to have a very difficult day, and you better you better do what they say. This is a party that represents 10% of the electorate. This is people that actually voted. That's not actually taking into account how many people actually live in the country, right? So it's just how many people voted, which is still a small minority. But they only got 10%. So they actually only represent like a very small fringe amounts of people. But they're all going out there all over the show to tell us what to do. Who the fuck are you? I don't know what the fuck is going on here. This is also the same party that stood behind there on all the Vitz protests. They were like, yeah, we know they're burning everything down and we know they're threatening people's lives and we know that they're going to people's houses and threatening to burn down the houses, but we support that. 
you're like, you should fight like it's the Soweto riots all over again. It's like you're fighting over a student accommodation and you're not even saying that you can't get it or that they're excluding you on racial basis. All you're saying is they're not giving you enough of a free accommodation. Like, yeah. This is, this is what the black supremacist nationalist alternative provides. It's just complete moronicness. And it's just, I know it's not a word, but might as well be. It's just complete, just, just completely moronic. I mean, I don't know what else to, to say. Anything else I do say will get me referred to the Human Rights Commission. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it, at the end of the day, it's just, it's a perfect encapsulation of sort of luxury beliefs, right? Where like the middle class act like the victim. They burn down working class businesses. They burn working class people alive because they don't get enough moolah from the government, right? This applies to the strikers who are porters and clerks and all that bullshit. It applies to the students. And then you get sort of political power behind that. And what you find is that all of this stuff is just the middle class acting out. That's all it is. It's not solving an issue or a critical issue. It's not acting on behalf of poor people. It's not acting on behalf of black emancipation. It's literally just the middle class throwing his toys out the cot. And that's it. That's all it is. Same with Feesman's Fall, same with the, all these things that happened. So, well, sort of once you understand that, you, you sort of realize that how little these people actually matter. And that's why you should push club them. But then you look you look at it, like all these people can do is just burn shits and just march around stuff and go, yay, give us crap, give us crap. I mean, it's happening today at UCT. They're having, again, more disruptions because of the financial block protocols, which basically says if you owe loads of money, you can't kind of give you an extended line of credit. You know, forgive, forgive me if I'm wrong, but that's usually how banks work, right? You owe loads of money, they can't give you more credits until you pay it off. But apparently not for these fuckers. I mean, these fuckers are all like, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Well, you tell me, where exactly is the money going to come from for these institutions? And when the institutions are bankrupt and no longer there, they're going to go to government and bitch and say, how come there's no institutions there? It must be because of the legacy of apartheid and because you're all racist. Like, no, mate. It's like, why is there no municipal buildings in some, in some uh, municipalities up and down the Eastern Cape? Well, because you fucking burned them down. Not because the apartheid government didn't give you one. Like, you burnt the fucking thing down. Remember that? Again, it's just complete retardation, man. Like, and these are the same people that even when you get a degree, that shut down every business going, set shits a lot all over the show. People saw it on camera. So when they actually go out there into the work environment and ask for a job, the employment culture says, you know, you're not really the kind of person I want working on my premises with my hundreds of thousands of rands worth of equipment. So maybe not for me. Then they're like, oh, it's because of racism and you're not giving me opportunities and there's not enough transformation. Like, you can't be a victim your entire fucking life, man. Yeah. So when I was looking, getting... That's okay, go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, sometimes people just need to acknowledge that they're pussed, right? Like, if everything's a problem, no one likes you, not because there's, like, a conspiracy against you. Like, you're just a prick, right? And once you understand that, maybe life will be a bit easier. You have to sort of cultivate like being a prick is earned right like we respect people who are pricks sometimes right like the doll trumps the world or i don't know the kenny kunene who says that uh, he's fixing potholes because he can't drive his ferraris over them because it fucks up his ferrari like that's being a prick but it's good because like, he sort of earns it even though he's a be entrepreneur but if you got nothing no money no leverage and you're just a prick 
you're not going to get anywhere in life at all. And this this in, entire strike situation are just people being pricks with nothing to signify why they should be listened to. And that's the majority of people, I'm afraid. Just being a prick without ever having to actually work towards being a prick, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, and I agree. I agree with that. You know, this, that's what I was going to say. It's like, I found it really weird. When I was a kid, if you couldn't go to university, you went to you went to a technical college. Do you remember those technical colleges? And you could go to a technical college and you could get a trade. How come all these fuckers were sitting there at university wanting to become, I don't know, political science graduates rather than actually going and doing something useful like become a plumber, electrician, you know, carpenter? Actual things that contribute to the actual creation of society. Instead, all they want to do is grift off the system and make everybody else pay for it. Like, there aren't enough taxpayers in the country anymore to pay for these people's constant bullshit. In which case, something has to give. And I would assume that anybody with a brain cell, like maybe Mr. McKenzie will do. He will go out there and basically just be like, every time you guys fucking protest, fucking petrol bomb inside there or something. There needs to be a culling of this now. But the ANC isn't the party to do it because they... They have encouraged this behavior. Yeah, so the Federal Alliance's um, solution is just send everyone to the army. I think, you know, for, for most, I mean, I don't want my daughter to go to the army one day because I don't think it'll be very useful to her. But I think for most South Africans, going to the army for a year or two, just like the apartheid regime did, I think would actually be pretty good. I was against conscription for a number of years, but now I think it should basically, it, it should be something that's, not even justified. It's something that should be a rule. Everyone from 18 to 21 needs to go to army. I think that will solve You know what's funny is that the Nats... What's funny is that the Nats actually use conscription as a way to create or build nation identity. You know that? So it's like, what's really interesting is that conscription could actually be used to do that. It could actually be used to create national identity. You know, get white people, black people, Indians to work together for a year in an army environment. I can imagine what that would do for the morale of people. And it would actually create a degree of social cohesion because people would get to understand that things aren't really that radically different outside of it. We all have the same ideas, such as we just want a job, nice house to go to home to, and the wife and kids at, at home. Like, so, you know, it would it would normalize society as a whole. But there is a large part of me, and I'm sure you agree, Ramon, that the normalization of society is not within the political elite's kind of ambit they don't want that because a society that is at odds with itself is a society that's easy to dictate to if there is no if there is no norm then my norm might as well just be as good as your norm and if my norm is that you give me all your shits and i tell you what to do well they're relative yeah so like sort of in conclusion sorry brian i need to go in a a moment or two but in conclusion i think the future of south africa will be dictated in two various ways not through democracy. Number one, through a strong man who's able to unite the country through economic growth, punishing criminals, okay, maybe being corrupt, like a poor Kagame or someone like that, which is what Gaten wants, Gaten McKenzie from the Patriarch Alliance. That will save the nation state that is South Africa. All the alternative, of course, is the enclave system where you just create the norms locally and enforce them locally with as much force as you intend to enforce them with. I just don't see a sort of third way. Like, I don't see democracy getting us out of this issue. I don't see left-wing populism getting us out of this issue. I don't see the Russians invading getting us out of this particular issue. I think we're only left with this sort of binary about African strong man who cares about the country with a lot of patriotism 
or like just the breakup. Like those are the only two solutions I see to the future of South Africa that are good solutions to South Africa. Oh, I don't know what you think though. I think that South Africa could really do with breaking apart. That's that's what I think. I think yeah. that South Africa. That's the problem with South Africa is, is that we're a country that isn't actually a country. We're seven countries being amalgamated into one. The national identity isn't coherent enough to create a national framework. Um, there's too many competing interests, whether it be you know from those in the north to the Zulus to whoever else, and as a result, like nothing actually. Nothing works properly in a cajoled manner. So South Africa could probably do with breaking up and allowing the interests of some to kind of like self-perpetuate. Uh, I think that I think that would be a good scenario for us. Yeah, and I think it's the inevitable one unless like there is a strong man who comes in, suspends the constitution, and you know destroys gangsterism and criminals and hangs everyone anti like Bukele does in El Salvador. I just don't see someone doing that there's like there's like no cultural traditional way to do that in south africa maybe you know i could be wrong yeah. there. i think i don't think there's a will i don't think there's a desire for it either i know that we talk about that and we say wouldn't it be great but it you know i don't think that there's a desire from the lower echelons of society for that kind of thing i mean they all want this idea of you know, democracy that they feel they fought for, they all want the constitution that they feel they fought for, they don't really know how it competes. I mean, Juju is a great example. He'll turn around and say, you know, we fought for the constitution, it allows us to have, you know, freedom of protest. And it's like, yes, it does, but it also allows me to have freedom of movement and freedom to freedom to have my own profession. Which you're telling me that your rights trump mine, right? You you're not gonna give me the ability to freedom of freedom of protest because I'm going to stay home because of your lockdown and I can't exercise my trade. I'm going to close my business, which is in the constitution because you feel like it, but you can have the right to protest. So, you know, it's, it's amazing that a lot of people are very pro the constitution when it suits their narrative. When it doesn't, it's like, oh, who cares, you know? So it's, but I don't, the idea that we still have to protect the constitution with every part of us is still deeply ingrained into people's psyche. So, yeah. I can't see that happening. I was to, the the other the last reason I think I can't see it happening is because the privileges of people like unions and others are too entrenched, and I, I can't see them surrendering those without a fight. Sure, which is why you either make them powerless by enclaving, or you make or you just fight them head on by being a right wing populist dictator. You're not going to solve that through democracy either. I mean, nothing. The problems of democracy are not solved by democracy, essentially. It's sort of like, I don't know, the moral of this, uh, this podcast. But let's not forget, Ramon, even the police have a union though. No, of course. I drive past the so even if you get every day. Pop crew. So even if you suspended the constitution and told the police to get on with it, even they've got a union, you know? So it's like... Yeah. Anyway... Unfortunately, we, well, unfortunately, I have to be on my way, um, family duties, for a short reason. Thank you for listening, everyone. We truly appreciate it. If you do like us a lot, why not become a member on Substack? Uh, that's how you can uh, support our show and contribute towards making morning shots. Well, you know, the best right-wing alternative media platform in the entire country, bringing you things like this that no one else is bringing you at the moment. So thanks for listening. 
we'll see you in the next one. Cheers. Until next time. Bye.